Shut up and sit down. The word epic is one of the most misused and overused words in the English language. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. But this just made us hate more Cause for the last year we've been riding skateboards Friggin' skateboard, I would rather walk Do I look like Tony Hawk? No! You are listening to the Not So Epic Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. This has always resonated with me, so I'll share. In every journey comes a moment, one like no other. And in that moment, you must decide between who you are, and who you want to be. And Mike, don't forget the spinach. Today, we're getting down with crisp, lit, and epic. You can't always get your box back, but then you at least got to try to get them back. Sometimes if you get your box stolen, it will get sold or something, but you still got to keep your head up. Peace. Unfortunately, I'm diagnosing you as not Epic. All right, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance, right here with you, Jake. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Good. I good think I think I'm good. Yep. Yep. We got an all uh, all cycling team again today. The uh, the Tri Boys <laughs> no are we on got rid of the on, on break. <laughs> so back in the uh, the studio with us today, Paige Edwards. Welcome back, Paige. Hi. Thanks how, for having me. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Good. We had quite a few people after the last time you were on with us, say how awesome you did and Aww. how much they enjoyed you. So um, You they, were quite popular. You yes, were. You were and, quite popular. <laughs> They're like, that Paige, she was great. She hassled you guys. I shouldn't have said that. It's no hassling today. I didn't even mean <laughs> to hassle. I'm just too boring. That was beautiful, though. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of people paint me and say, you guys need to have her back on again. So yes. there's been some stuff that's been going on. You've had some things come up in your life. You've been doing some bike racing, so why not? Plus, we're going to be talking about something today. We'll get into that in a little bit that i think you might be able to impart some uh, some knowledge on some wisdom if you will so i'm very wise should be fine yeah <laughs> all right uh well the three of us sitting here uh two of us did a bike race and one of them maybe the guy talking right now didn't <laughs> let's do some backplane talk about uh what you guys had going on lance go for it well um i i actually had a fairly rough week um I did not feel good all week long. I actually got my second dose of the vaccine on Thursday, and it put me into a little bit of a funk <laughs> on uh, on Friday. and And I actually raced on Saturday. I still went yep. down and raced on Saturday. On, yeah. This was the uh, this is Mike Ripley's race, the Mudslinger. Mm-hmm. It's like the thirty. Eighth, y- thank you. Thirty fourth year <laughs> or think. something. He's Whoa. been doing it for a long, long time. So, so kind of exciting for that. A um, little bit shorter course this year. Had to do it time trial style because uh, there was really not enough room on the course to stage a a group and still and still get their permit to to run the race. So it still was time trial style. But uh, the long course was only what was it? It was like 12 miles or something like that, or 11 miles, but it had 2,400 feet of elevation gain. That is a lot of climbing for that short of a race. A lot of climbing. There were three major climbs during the race, and uh, that uh, made it hard. So in, in, 
it, big sh- non-shocker, I did not win this week. <laughs> Can't win them all, buddy. I, I neither did, did I. <laughs> neither did Paige. I, uh, I actually, race morning, I thought I felt okay, but being flat, I'm, whatever, I'm just, I'm start, here goes the excuses. Want to hear all the excuses? No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Court Johnson won our Cat 250 plus Super category. strong dude, though, right? Super strong dude. Um, I was feeling good about my chances with Court because I beat him by like four minutes at Echo. Uh-huh. But this was a very different course. Echo was 17 miles of single track. This had three major climbs that none of which were single track. It was all like double... Like Jeep trail kind like of stuff? Jeep trail, like gravel road, sure, single sure. track. So it was just like full gas. And um, he uh, he outclimbed me. Wow. Um, and also, I got beat by teammate Scott Carroll. Scott's strong. Scott is strong. Scott did a lot of Zwift racing this offseason. He Zwift raced uh, three or four times a week, it looked like. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. Uh, all through the winter, and so uh, he was quite strong. We actually staged ourselves so that we could gauge each other. Mm-hmm. Court, me, and and uh, Scott. Okay. So Court went first. I went 20 seconds later. Scott went 20 seconds after me. Sure. I expected Scott to catch me on the climbs. But I thought both of us would catch court, and we just never did. He rode just fantastic, so good for him. Um, I only lost to Scott by 18 seconds. It was really quite close. Yeah. Um, and it was a little frustrating for me because he outclimbed me, but I was out descending him and and beating him on the single track stuff. And I would catch him on the single track, but I couldn't I couldn't get around him. Oh, and he wasn't going to let you get around him either, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, had to let people pass. <laughs> well, I mean, I, we were racing, and we're yeah. and we're pretty evenly matched, so it it was. I I gotta say, it it was really good for me. Yeah. I'm I'm actually I was very disappointed that I didn't do better, um, but I think I needed to be poked a little bit, and I needed to be humbled a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a this is kind of an interesting thing with. A team dynamic, usually when you think team, you're thinking like road racing. There, There's a lot to be said about having a teammate there with you. But in a mountain bike race, more times than not, it's every man and woman for themselves. A little bit different. And yeah, like you guys are competitors. You're on the same team, but you're competitors and you both want to win that race. And now there will be situations or scenarios where that might play to your advantage. Because let's say that both of you caught up to court and one of you wasn't feeling it and maybe was going to say, hey, I'll right. support you. Maybe there's some... You know, trail blocking is that is that bad? I mean, uh, or <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe there yeah. could be some like flats where one person can pull another guy up to another person. Yeah, there's there, things that there go was, there. There was none of that in this race. Exactly, no flats. This, this race was like a time trial format. It's go out there, get your best time, and and when yeah. I would when I caught Carol on the single track sections, it wasn't like it. There wasn't like an opportunity for me to pass him. It was yeah. like I was right on him, and we were moving together. I would have gone faster without him in front of me, but it wasn't. So I I have I hold no ill will at all. It no. was straight up racing. Yeah, exactly. It was good stuff. Yeah, if it was me and you out there, we would have been deucing and yes. duking it up and dicing it out. And oh yeah, it'd be fun. So it was exciting. We had a lot of teammates out there, which was fantastic. Um, a lot of teammates did really well. Um, so it was it was just nice to be out there and a big race. There was about three hundred racers, which yeah. was fantastic. So you were on the podium. Paige, you were on the podium, mm-hmm. all right? And then we had Scott Carroll on the podium. We yep. had Terry Hamness just missed the podium in he your was, 50s. He, he was, was fourth right behind place us. right behind you. Yep. Um, 
see here, Danny Styles. Danny Styles. She won the Cat Three Women's forty to forty nine. Good on you, Danny. And uh, also uh, Kim Catherine. Did I say that right? Catherine, I think. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she was second <laughs> in the Cat Two Women nineteen to thirty nine. Good job, Kim. It's a way to go for Kim. Um, I'm, yeah, I think and we can get into more of that later if yeah. you remember any of that. But we had quite a few teammates, sir. Correct. But yeah, a bunch of teammates. Sweet. Uh, some kids raced. It was just, it was great. So, well done, dude. Thank you. I I shouldn't feel too bad. I I PR'd like every single segment during yeah. the race, so yeah. I actually went faster than I have in years past. I just I wanted to win. So I didn't win. Mudslinger. That's the name of the event promotion company. Correct. And that was the name of the race. Yes. Is that the signature race? Is that their big A race for their whole? I know that they all set it up like it's a, a series. There's a series. But it, isn't Sister Stampede kind of like the, the one that's usually the most attended? Yes. Okay. Sister Stampede's a little bit bigger. It is on uh, It's on Memorial Day weekend, Correct. so it's a holiday weekend, and it's in Sisters, Oregon, which yep. is near Bend, so it tends to pull a lot more people in. And might that be on your radar yes, for it is. Uh, a little redemption? It is eight weeks away. <laughs> Court beat me last year at that. Okay. And so I'm freaking going to... I was so mad, <laughs> I went out and rode four and a half hours the next day. Aww, <laughs> like, like, dang. You do. like you do. I got on my road bike and just like, I'm just going to go until I ran out of time. And I just I rode until I ran out of time. Gotcha. Paige, mm. what you been up to? So, have you guys talked about Echo yet? Red we, to Red? we talked about that. Like last week or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. but how did you do? Yeah. Um, I got third in Elite Women at Red to Red, and I was super happy with that because there was a pretty stacked field. Yeah. Um, Clara Hansinger and um, a woman named Emma, I forgot her last name, who is a pro who's older and I think she races for Kenda or something like that. Okay. And um, a bunch of other fast ladies. Um, and I start, we like, we're going out and like on the gravel section and everyone was fighting to get to the trailhead first and I didn't get a good position there, but I'm actually glad because I didn't burn myself out. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically it was a super long battle with everyone I passed for third and I was super happy with my like overall performance because like afterwards I couldn't even stand. That was yeah. what I was going to say. The yeah. one thing I remember from that race, like the one she image was, that stands out the most was Paige uh, on her back, like just yard sailed after the race. Just like, sprawled out yeah. at the end. I literally could, I was like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then I did. <laughs> Weren't you saying something like I was going to just stand there, but then I had to lay down, like your body physically said yeah. lay down. I, I would not, I wouldn't like lay down for a show. Yeah. Ever. No. But like, there's a were, bunch of people around. You were spent, and that's that's how you should finish a race. Yeah. More times than not, when you're battling, you should be done, done. You shouldn't have anything in the tank. Well, Echo yeah. ended with like a mile and a half uphill uh-huh. gravel road, and Mudslinger ended with oh. a downhill. There was a there was 20 mile per hour winds during my race. Yes, at Echo. Echo. Yes, at Echo. Oof. And headwind. It was Oof. it, it was, was rough. It was, it was rough. crazy. Yeah. And well, it thankfully was, you're small so you can get down low, but still I that's I don't know if that helped because I was definitely feeling the effects of it. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe it did. <laughs> but like uh I don't know, it was also much different than normal because normal I'm like used to being in a forest, you know, like but with this with the rolling hills, um I could really see everybody. Yeah. And like you, I don't know, it was intimidating that way. I was afraid the whole time. Um, and compared to Mudslinger, like it's like dramatic differences in my performance. Yeah, I think like I still got third at Mudslinger, but um, again with you know those faster pro women, but it's 
It wasn't good. <laughs> you, finished right, you finished behind Clara Hansinger, yeah. who is, you know, She's... national champion and world pro cyclocross yes. racer. Yeah. Actually, Clara beat me as well. Yes. By like 30 seconds. So, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, um, the elite women at Mudslinger, we got to start together. Okay. Yeah. We did. There was only like four of us and we were spaced out you know so it was safe and everything and everyone had masks but it was sure. like it was like um i don't know serena asked every asked the guy she's like can we just start together there's only four of us and he was like okay. Wait, he let you guys all start right at the same time oh that's fantastic they let you guys do yeah, that i think though um she wanted me and natasha to burn out but like in like you know the most kind-hearted way possible of oh, it's winning race, strategy, race, race no, strategy she's yeah. great but like um uh, it, it didn't work for like 15 minutes. Like I hung with her, like she was in sight. And this for that, Serena or Serena, this is Serena Gordon. We're talking about. Yeah. She's she, for live factory racing. Yeah. 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 Um, she's cool. And, um, I don't know. Then I lost her and I, and, and Natasha, um, my other competitor and friend, she's like a year younger than me. Natasha Viznak. Yeah. From Ben. She like fell back and then I got lazy and I was just like. I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. And I had had a really yeah. bad morning. Like, my mental state wasn't, like, good anyway. And I was just... Uh, and then I wasn't doing good on the descents. And I crashed twice. And um, <laughs> and then I didn't have a shirt. And Lance gave me a shirt. And it was, like, way too big. And <laughs> so I had, like, shorts from my, my other team. And I just looked dumb. <laughs> and then, like, by the end, by the end, um, I was, like... It's crazy I hadn't seen Natasha yet because I was like, I'm just like lacking. Uh -huh. And then I saw her and I was like, damn it. So she lit a fire. And then I started going faster. And then, she, and then like, you know, she came in like 30, 40 seconds behind me. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun race though? It was fun. Like I had like a really good time. Yeah. And I was happy to be out once I started despite everything, but I was just not happy with my Time. Gotcha. Usually we backpedal right now, but let's talk a little bit about going forward. You've got a couple races on the calendar coming up. Yeah, literally on um, Friday, I'm racing um, short track in Arkansas for the um, Pro XCT series. Ooh. It's a UCI race, and then on wow. Sunday is the XCO. And um, I am like, I don't want to say I'm nervous, but at the same time, it's U23, so we get to race with all of the pros and yeah. despite age and you know it's the first year everyone gets destroyed typically in the first year unless you're like super crazy good and so yeah. um i don't know we'll see what happens but it's like the olympic long team yeah it's it's kind of like a a race that helps so, decide the olympic team yeah. so big picture yeah this is a much bigger race weekend coming up than this past weekend of mudslinger no nothing against mudslinger i mean that's a great event right yeah. there but that's probably were you almost looking past mudslinger anticipating that so mudslinger was just kind of go out there get so a training, race. training day for you honestly mudslinger. yes yeah. and i have this like problem with um pushing myself too hard racing you know sure. like with echo like I literally took, it took me, like, and I did everything right after, but it took me like actually seven days to feel better after that. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't even get full. Like when I was like eating food, like I just couldn't stop eating. <laughs> you wrecked yourself. I did. You it did. was bad. <laughs> and <laughs> so like, I don't know, but with, with that, like, although I didn't feel good, it's kind of the only time I feel like satisfied. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not really the place. It's like how well I, I like, I know I could have done better. 
on Saturday. So, so you're heading out to go do this racing. We wish you all the best and super uh, amounts of good luck there. Um, I need, yeah, so I need that. <laughs> there's a there's a short track race on Friday and an XC race on Saturday. Is that how it works? Sunday. On Sunday. So it's that's like it determines your start. You do the short up. track and yeah. you're and you're finishing there determines where you start on the grid on Saturday. Yeah, so or it's, Sunday. it's determined by UCI points, but you know, you get points from short track. So then it affects your lineup position, oh, and it's okay. really important. Nice. Really, yeah. I'm guessing this is not going to be televised in any way, shape, or form. Will they have any kind of a, a YouTube presence, or will it be televised? Is there somewhere people can watch this? Well, okay, I don't think so. Gotcha. But I know that they do World Cups, and like they always have those on Red Bull TV, but this isn't a World Cup. It's just a UCI race. Okay. It's like, you know, it's not part of the series in Europe. Gotcha. They're, they're calling it the U.S. Cup. It's it's the U.S. Cup. That's not on. Yeah, it, this is like the series that leads up to, you know, USA National Championships. Yeah, but it's also UCI. Gotcha. So that's diff- it's like bigger. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's, One other thing. Last time we had you on, you were deciding between a couple different schools. You want to tell us where you uh, where you landed? What you decided on? Yeah, I committed to Brevard College in North Carolina, and I'm super excited about that. I mean, it was a really, really hard choice, but I think I'm going to be really happy there. So awesome, I'm stoked. So, when do you take off to go to school? Um, I'm not. It's like the end of August, early September. Yeah, yeah. And then cool. you're still going to be doing a bunch of racing outside of the the, the college tour as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So the college season is in the fall. So yep. Nats will be in July, and then that'll probably be when I'm chilling out to prepare for um, the college xc race season and then again there'll be well then there's like cycle cross in the winter i'm not sure if i'll do that Mm -hmm. or not because i just don't have any experience because i just never had the chance really yeah but then again then there's the pro xcts in the spring like a year from now so keeps going (laughs) i have a sneaking suspicion you'd be pretty good at the uh, cycle cross stuff knowing how to turn yourself inside out having that that engine that burns really bright and mm. then the bike handling i think that you would do well but and they're only 60 minute races for the elites so. i know but it's <laughs> it's different yeah i mean i've done it and i enjoyed it thoroughly and there's been a couple times where i did really well and then the other times it was just like not good yeah but i think it just needs like i need practice like you know there's with with cyclocross, I find it a little more stressful than XC. Like I enjoy the stress, but for yeah. s- it's like every small thing is like vital. And a sp- I, I would I really need to practice like the dismounts, like remounting, you know, jumping oh, yeah. over barriers. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. never jumped over the barriers before, <laughs> so it's, I don't know. It's, it would be something that I would have to work up to. Yeah, but it's bike racing, and you've got that in you. Yeah, I would totally. I love bike <laughs> racing. So yeah, anything would be good. Cool. Yeah. So what kind of is there a whole series of like college races between colleges? And can you, if you're racing for your college, can you also do the UCI races as well? How does that work? Do yeah. You know? So, um, the college, so, you know, most kids are on development teams or like pro teams or like, you know, you just at least have a sponsor. Like I'm just, you know, I specialize as my sponsor Yeah. and I don't ha- like, and then I'm on dialed. And then like, so when I'm on, um, when I'm on the Brevard College team, I race for Brevard at college events and then at um, national events and international stuff. I'd race for dialed, or if I get selected, then I'd race for the USA. Yeah, yeah, and and dialed because you, that doesn't conflict anything. Yeah, yeah so 
hopefully we can help you support to get there. Let me let me ask you something. You were I think you were trying to decide between Brevard in North Carolina and Fort Collins, Fort Lewis, Fort Lewis, <laughs> Fort yeah. Lewis in Durango. Uh huh. What was the deciding factor for you? It was like really difficult. Like it took me all year yep. and kind of waited till the last second to commit and when i visited brevard i just felt like it would be the overall best fit for me i remember and you telling me that on that gravel ride that we did a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. that it just felt like a home for you it just felt like you fit in there and that that's where yeah. you need to be and that's a huge that gut feeling right there that, mm -hmm. that's usually pretty big so yeah and you know with choosing a college i've heard a lot of people tell me that usually it's not really a bunch of reasons on a bullet point list it's more like what you feel yeah. like yeah and i think that's just you know it felt good and i just probably want to go with what feels good when i'm just picking a place to live and yeah. train so good yeah right on you will have uh they will have better winners that's what i'm happy about <laughs> honestly okay in like Carolina, they it was will. snowy in like a week ago or two in durango yeah so. yeah crazy i'm not a fan of that <laughs> don't like the snow well i do i love just it just not to ride and train I don't in it ride and train yeah training in the cold is that's a bummer. Honestly, it kind of it's wears hard. me down yeah. more. I don't yeah. have a lot of motivation for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I this year I tried really hard to do uh, do it, but yeah, I was just it's there, there's so many different layers to why that's hard. It sucks the life out of you. There's you can only take just being frozen and not being able to feel your feet when you get off the bike so oh. many times. I know. And then th there's the whole preparation process. It takes so long to, to get, get, get ready and put up. on all that junk. And then you go out and ride and you destroy your bike because uh -huh. it's covered in all kinds of garbage. Yeah. And then there's like coming back and you're soaked and you got to take off all your gear. Then you got to go get yourself warmed up and then you got to go back out and tend to your bike. And mm -hmm. it's it just the whole process. It literally adds what, thirty minutes, maybe forty-five minutes. I would say minutes. for me, it adds a lot of time. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, th I mean, this year made me like a little more organized, but it would just take me forever to get ready, and like, you know, not wanting to would make me take longer. And yeah. then like, I would like, you know, not plan my days around the weather, and then make a mistake, and then I came back one time and I couldn't feel my hands at all. It was like super painful because it rained on me, uh -huh. and then like. It, it actually hurt. Oh, like yeah. I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. And so my dad is like, he told me you have to put it under cold. You put your hands under cold water at first, and then slowly warm it up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that, and it worked. I was just like, <laughs> "I've never been that cold." Yeah. <laughs> fun times. That's just part of winter training. Yeah. You just kind of <laughs> eventually figured it out, or you sit on Zwift. Yeah. Yeah. Makes Zwift look a lot more appealing yeah. <laughs> after so many times of that. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I'll backpedal real quick. I didn't race. We wanted you to race, Ooh, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> Mudslinger was like rough though, so I don't yeah, know if he would have felt more happy technical. About it. It's I probably could, but I just don't. I can't go down. I can't crash. I can't. I don't yeah. want to jeopardize anything. And I've got this long trajectory that I'm trying to 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 stay on to get some sense of stability in my shoulder. I don't want to, you know, bemoan about that any more than it is. And it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if, if I can get back to it at some point in time, someday, some year. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, for now, I know what I can and can't do. And I'm just going to stick to that. So, yeah, I think that's good. You know, don't feel bad. About yeah. It. Bad. What about uh, what about gravel racing or road racing? You think you might? I think the one that I could probably see myself doing the most would be gravel because I in that scenario, I'm 
most likely to stay in full control of everything going on. Yeah. The road racing stuff makes me a little bit nervous because when you're in a big pack and More packs. and yeah. my last big road race finished with me going down 150 meters from the, the finish line uh. because somebody crashed right in front of yeah. me when we were going 35 miles an hour. And, and I don't, I mean, I mean, you can go down, you can crash, but I don't know how my body would come out the backside of that. It doesn't feel good any way, shape, or form, but right. I don't know how much more damage I would do to my shoulder. And I don't really want to take on any more concussions. I've had enough of those, you guys. <laughs> those are not fun. There's no need to. Yeah. Just so gravel <laughs> racing, I don't see that they get as bunched up. They get stre stretched out pretty good. I mean, you're not generally dealing with, you know, 15, 20 yeah. people in a sprint finish or, no. you know, whatever those end up working out to be. They can't come down to the the sprint kind of thing, but it's more of like just being able to hold your own and, and pick your, you know, lines wisely when you're doing the single track stuff and then True. just don't crash in general. And that, that's usually, if I can control that, I can keep the rubber side down. So there is a gravel race this weekend. There is. Have you, and I, I don't believe there is one meter of single track on it. It's gravel I and paved roads. 100% would have gone to the Gorge Gravel Grinder, but I'm going to be out of town again this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah, You're I'm going to visit your My mom. mom. Yeah. yeah, it's my mom's yeah. birthday. I haven't seen my mom in almost a year and a half. So, uh, yeah, COVID. because of COVID, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go up there and see her. So she's turning 66. You need to do that. Yeah, that'll, that's going to take precedent. But anyway, going back to this past week, it was uh, you know, a decent week. Didn't get to do as much training outside as I wanted to. Um, and that really boils down to the fact that I was gone again last week. And so I compressed, and Lance was here helping me out, but compressed five days down into three. And everybody wanted everything yesterday. And yes. there was just so much work to get done that I did find myself on the trainer for a few of those days. But um, we did do our Wednesday night flogging we ride. We did. It was like 70 degrees. It was, we had a big turnout. Two when I left my house, which was freaking awesome. And there was, I think, over 30 people that showed up to that ride. It was fantastic. Now, we um, unveiled a new third group, which I think worked out really well. It did. And everybody went out there and had a <laughs> good time. Of. <laughs> kind of well not for me there was a there's an a group an a minus group and a b group yeah yeah a minus group yeah i need the a minus group. well we didn't want to go a b c that is, you know who wants to be c so a, 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 yeah. a minus and b so well it was kind of funny because there were some guys the week prior that were in the a group the first week and then the second week because they didn't want to get dropped from the a group they went out and rode with the b group but they're way too strong for the the b group, b group yeah. so i'm like eh, we'll do a minus right you know so you can work your way back up to the a group and uh, I think that ended up working out pretty well, and everybody got flocked pretty good. Um, I was riding with one of our juniors, Adam, and I, I noticed about how oh, about halfway up, maybe three quarters of the way up to the regroup spot, he was not looking good at all. <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, stay on my wheel." And he kind of like he's like, uh, "I don't know." And then I asked him, "Like, are you okay?" And he's like. I just got my first COVID shot and I'm not oh, feeling no. good. So he was looking a little peaked and you could definitely tell that he was not feeling the love. So um, I, I pretty much sat up with him and watched uh, Guy Van and uh, Nate, Nate and uh, who else was in there? Um, Dustin Shockin. Dustin was in, Shockin. And let, let them go. And my God, they were going like gangbusters. So that was, it was a lot of fun until, um, well, maybe it was a good thing for me to sit up and let them go anyway because they, they killed it. And Guy Van didn't stop he just kept going he just went he did the whole thing and like you just yeah, crushed he didn't, he everything didn't like regroup at all he, he just, just kept skipped going. it yeah. he made a segment for the whole route right and just went and rode and crushed and yeah it was fun well it's like it's like 12 miles out the first the first section is like 12 miles out to the regroup and then 12 miles back 
Uh, I rode with the A group as well for the for about for about two miles, and I got popped you in the sp- first two miles. <laughs> you sprinted for the first sprint ahead stop sign, and I think the group had a different mission. And I kind of yep. saw that too. I'm like, I'm not going to sprint for that stop sign because if I come off for one second, I will never catch back on. And what did Lance do? I got popped. I read it completely wrong, <laughs> and that's why we do these things so that you can practice yeah. these things. I've read the group entirely wrong. I sprinted for the first stop ahead sign. I won, and I was super stoked and <laughs> got dropped immediately. <laughs> yeah, right out the back. I could not jump on when the group went by. Yeah, that was fun. And then so. we did a regroup, and everybody was there. It was a big group, and then people started rolling off, and I was talking with a couple people, and then I was riding with somebody else trying to get them pulled back on. And, and as we were getting to the, the long straight section where everybody really drops the hammer, the group kept getting further and further away. They turned left onto that road, and I'm like, there's a pretty good gap here. I'm, I'm probably a good you know, 50 to 100 meters behind. And they turn and start dropping the hammer, and – I see a car come up. I'm like, well, that sucks. And I had to stop and wait for them to go by. Uh, and then they went and there was just no, no catching on. And the, the, the lady that I was trying to pull on was like, no, just go, just, just go. go. I'm like, I don't like leaving anybody <laughs> behind. But then I just kind of put my nose down and just went as hard as I possibly could. And every time I almost caught back up, there was a traffic something or other, a stop oh. sign or a stoplight. And like I would get like to like maybe 20 or 30 meters away, then I would have to stop and watch them right away again. Like, good God. So I finally caught you guys at the very, very end. But uh, that was a heck of a workout trying to catch back up. <laughs> it, was, so. it was some solid work. Yeah. yeah. And then I, uh, I went down to Phoenix and I rode in uh, the hot desert. It was the exact opposite of those cold days, Paige. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the last ride I did when I started, it was 96 degrees out. Oh my God, I would die. It was toasty. <laughs> It was a, a tad bit warm, so but it was spectacular riding minus a couple sections in there. It was just fun riding through the desert on uh, Jeep trails, on gravel roads, and single track stuff. You took your gravel bike? I did. Yeah. And that was a blast. I think that was the right selection for me. So um, the only thing that I kind of regret was not properly setting up the... I'm, I'm using the Wahoo Roam right now, setting up the maps. If, uh, if, you, if you have a Wahoo unit and you are... Um, going to be traveling outside of your normal area where you ride make sure that you go in there make sure that the maps are updated correctly I'll, uh, just just do that because there's a good chance that wherever you're going they're they're not going to have the local maps because they load it with everything from around the world correct and they don't have as much storage or memory as some of the garmin units but. yes we are we are mid edit of our wahoo versus garmin i was uh, hoping YouTube to have that video. out by now but it'll <laughs> be out soon enough hopefully this week maybe fingers crossed but anyway uh long story short it took me through some pretty crazy stuff once i did get the map figured out and um i was riding some stuff where i probably should have been on like a big giant travel enduro bike (laughs) and i'm on my gravel bike going yeah this is a hike a bike section huh boys (laughs) so it was fun um and rode all three days that i was out there and nice was gonna ride last night at lance picks me up at the airport and like i got some time and then decided to go for a hike with my wife uh out at the park instead and took some pictures and had fun and rode on swift last night so anyway that's uh you're still streaking still streaking because because Sean hasn't quit yet, has that, he? That's correct. He's, <laughs> so he's, you and Sean are still streaking. I jokingly said, you know, hey, Sean, this is up to you in a Strava post. And uh, he uh, quickly chimed in and said something to the effect of 300's not that far off. And then when you get to 300, <laughs> it's not too much farther than 365 for one year. I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> that's so. crazy. And that reminds me, too, one of the rides that I did out there, 
I was out riding around and it, it was dark and I'm still riding outside because I hadn't quite hit the hour yet. And I'm just kind of like making like little lollipops Loops, here and right, there and riding up and it. down roads, just trying to extend it. When I looked down at the Wahoo, it said that I'd been riding for an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm like, all right, is that the total time or the elapsed time? And I'm like, I know how much time I spent stopped and it was not more than a minute or two. So I'm like a minute, an hour and 10 should be plenty. Right. Yeah. And then I get back and then I push finish. And then on the Wahoo, it says that I rode for an hour and one minute that was like the total ride time i'm like oh sweet and then it uploads to strava and strava says i rode for like 57 or 58 minutes i'm like come on strava get with it man i always ride like five extra minutes but if i don't then it really bothers me when it says it's less yes it makes me mad well the whole thing like behind two hours and 57 minutes yes like you gotta end on nice round numbers <laughs> but the whole premise behind that was when we started this challenge back on august 16th 2020 um it was supposed to go for 100 days and 100 days I, at least an hour a day it had to be at least an, an hour. hour a day. Oh you no! So did you? What did you do? Well, I'm gonna call foul on on Strava, and no, I, ha- I have Jake's done. I have <laughs> <laughs> I have screenshots of the actual uh, post on uh, my Wahoo app, and, and it will show that I did in fact write for a full hour and one minute. So that's funny. I'm gonna either take a mulligan or call foul or, or something. Protest, <laughs> writing under protest. So. You have like five chances to like ride a full hour or something like that. Five chances? What? Yeah, like you could like, you know, if you ride for less than an hour, oh. like more than five times, you're out. Yeah, well, I'm going to say just <laughs> once. It should I've, I'm going to take it to the judge and jury. We'll, we'll call good on that. Cool. Uh, let's move forward into some lead out news. Um... Champ here. I'm all about having fun. What's you know, up, get champ? a couple cocktails in me. <laughs> Start a fire in someone's kitchen. Can't Bailey here. Sea World, take my pants <laughs> off. Put your pants back on. Take my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, champ? Uh, one big race that happened this week: the Tour of Flanders, and it was quite exciting. Lots of hitters were in the race. Lots of big uh, people were showing up to do this. D- did you watch any of this race, Paige? No. No. Do you even know what the Tour of Flanders is? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's one of the monuments of cycling. This is in Belgium. Is That's it in why Belgium I know or about Amsterdam? It. Is it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's it started in Antwerp <laughs> and finished in Van der Vlodenfladen. I don't know. <laughs> I just completely butchered that. Anyway, <laughs> two hundred and like sixty kilometer race. So big long race. Uh, last year it was won in a. In a sprint by uh, Matthew Vanderpool, he outsprinted Wout Van Aert in like by like by an inch. It was a super fun race last year, and uh, all those guys were in it again um, this year. And it was kind of uh, it was kind of crazy because um, with like ten kilometers to go, uh, Matthew Vanderpool tried to drop the whole group, and he got out. And and Casper Asgreen from uh, Decunit Quickstep, he was able to go with Matthew, but they dropped Wout Van Art, and he ended up back in the group, and kind of fell apart. And so the two of them rode away. They get to a thousand meters to go, and uh, Asgreen is sitting on Vanderpool's wheel. Vanderpool is like super strong. He's just a crusher, and so. We all thought it was Vanderpool's race, and they uh, they start sprinting, and uh, Vanderpool popped. Uh oh. <laughs> he got he got beat by Casper uh, Asgreen. It was a fantastic, you know, 
260 kilometers, he had just toasted himself. And How long can you, seriously, though, how long can you stay on point like that? I mean, he's been in, like, peak race fitness shape yes. since the beginning of the cross season. And he, he, like, sprinted hard, and it looked like it was close. And then, literally, with, like, 20 meters to go, he just sat up and shook his head like, He nope. cramped, didn't he? Yeah, he, he cramped, yeah. But he, he just sat like, up and like he just he like sat up and like shook his head like nope I don't have it it's his oh wow yep that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and so Casper uh, Asgreen won uh, um, Al Philippe's um, teammate which was super exciting and uh, third place was Greg Van Avermaet who was very motivated he hasn't won this race and he wants to because it's in his hometown I don't know if the finish or the start whatever. But uh, Van Avermaet uh, took third, and everybody else kind of blew to pieces. So crazy. Tour Flanders. It was pretty Dang. exciting. I was watching March Madness. And? <laughs> the, Gon- the Gonzaga game was cool. <laughs> the, the, the UCLA Gonzaga game? <laughs> yeah. Wait, should we move away from bike racing <laughs> no, from no, Champ no, no. Bailey and go to the <laughs> actual <laughs> sports? It, no, it I, was was just, I was just saying. I watched that. I watched something. That was super exciting. <laughs> it was. Uh, Gonzaga, um, it, this was to get into the Final Four, or was this? It was the Final Four. It was the Final Four. What is the championship game? Is it like tonight or tomorrow? Well, there's a game tonight. There's and a I, game tonight. My, I'm hanging out with like my three girlfriends, and they're not going to okay. watch it. So <laughs> you're not going you're gonna to miss it. Yeah. Anyway, you, fine. UCLA, t- <laughs> UCLA ties the game with three seconds to go on a layup. Yeah. And uh, the Gonzaga team did not call a timeout. They, they, what's the guy's name? Suggs? Suggs. Yeah. yeah. So Suggs gets the ball, dribbles across half court, just gets across half court, tosses up a prayer, cans it. Yup. That was the end. And uh, Gonzaga wins. Did you watch, Jake? No, it was. It was worth it. I, I was actually, <laughs> it was after after Mudslinger. I got home and I didn't even shower. I just like sat there and watched it the whole time. And, that was and it was worth UCLA? it. Yeah. Was it? it was UCLA? Yeah. It was tied. Gonzaga. They went yeah. overtime. It was cool. Super exciting. Yeah. I don't even know anything about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> <I just like> <laughs> it. But you're about to go to college yeah. in North Carolina, which is like basketball central it is yeah yeah (laughs) there's a lot of gonzaga fans around here it's uh in eastern washington spokane yeah spokane yeah yeah Yeah. that's pretty cool makes sense kind of exciting cool so um other than that uh the only other exciting thing that happened was um with new uci rules Uh um why is that happening (laughs) i don't know but uh, there was um, a, a rider that got tossed out of the Tour of Flanders because he tossed a bottle in a spot he's no, not supposed to toss to a, a bottle. a fan, right? Of sorts, or just needed to get rid of a bottle? It was something like that. That's so stupid. And there was a couple guys that, like, headbutted each other, and they both got tossed from the game as well. One guy... How break- do they, like, get them out? Like, just... Oh, the... the, the do they the, actually pull them off, or yeah. they just... Yeah, they like ride up, like drive up to him, say drive you're up done. to him, and said you're, go back to your team you're car. out. Yeah, yep. yep. I don't so. really get that. Is there like good reasoning? Because it doesn't sound reasonable right now. Yeah, yes and no. You got to have some rules, and sometimes there's too many rules, and sometimes yeah. there's not enough, and that's the yeah. I mean, the way it goes. You're not allowed to sit on your top tube in the super tuck anymore. Nope. You're not allowed to put your arms in the fake arrow bar position. Fake arrow bar position. You your socks have to be a certain length. You can't actually. Throw- yeah. Socks? Legit. Yeah. 
correct. That's you, a UCI rule. Yeah. You're can't not be too short, can't be too long. And for the longest time, like, you know, Paige, <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to go do this UCI race? It's in mountain Fayetteville? biking. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Last a, year I had like the wrong logo on my socks, so I like shoved them down. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Um, so yeah, there's some dumb stuff there, but Champ Bailey out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Sorry, I was sitting over here getting our uh, Patreon little jar all fixed up and trying to make the the things a little bit smaller so we can get a little bit more like shaken up in there and make this a little bit easier oh, to, good idea. to do. We don't have any new patrons, but we've definitely got a bunch of them and just wanted to say thank you to all of them. And we're going to do drawings. We've got a bunch of new stuff that's in that bin now, too. We had uh, a bunch of pickle juice oh. <laughs> from the company Pickle Juice. Thank you, Pickle Juice. We've got a bunch of stuff from them now. We've got um, a, the brand new Dialed Cycling Buff is in there. The, it's it's all orange with just black lettering. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's actually nice. a pretty sharp looking thing. And there's yeah. a, a bunch of other goodies in there as well. So if you are the winner of the drawing, you get to come down and pick out whatever suits you best. So that should be fun. Um, let's shake this thing up good here. Um, Paige, why don't you go ahead and pull one out of there? She can't see any names. And hopefully it won't be one of the same persons that wins, it seems like, every single week. Now that I've folded <laughs> up the things a little bit better, hopefully she can read my chicken scratch. And it is chicken scratch. Is that an R or a B? Mark Radford. Mark yeah. Radford, who has won. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't look like a B. I was just like Bradford. Oh, it's Rad. And that's our Rad. That's, that's my big giant R. Sorry. No, no, no. It's good. I was just like. Yeah. Never mind. Marcus won before. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Like it seems like the same like four or five people win every single week. But we're trying like, to show love to everybody. Yeah, there's close to thirty names in there, which is kind of crazy. So anyway, um, yeah, maybe we should start doing like an eliminator thing. Just make sure that everybody wins something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Mark Radford, swing on by the lab and pick up your uh, your new. Pickle juice. Pickle juice, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cool. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can go to dialpodcast.com. There is a link there on that page. Click on it. Choose one that works well for you, and we'll uh, be happy to have you on our Patreon team. Thank Thank you. Fantastic. Cool beans. All right. Our topic for today, because we've got some mountain bike folks sitting at this table, I think I've got a little bit of mountain bike history, um, but these two over here actually are racing them all the time and know quite a bit about them. We're going to help you guys choose the right mountain bike. If you're interested in learning more about that, this is going to be the topic for you. This the show we're going to go through picking the right mountain bike for you. So Lance has got a list of like eight, 10 things, whatever that you want to um, choose. But before we get into that list, I wanted to ask a couple questions. What kind of a mountain bike do you think people typically just gravitate to without any knowledge or know-how when it comes to bikes? What, what do you think their eye automatically goes to and that's what they think they want? The full suspension bikes. Full suspension bike? How about yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. And I'm going to even go a step beyond that. I'm going to say that for some reason, it seems like people naturally just gravitate towards like a a big enduro bike or almost like a downhill bike. I agree. And then they go out and they start doing some riding and then they quickly discover that those downhill bikes are called downhill bikes for a reason because they don't go uphill very (laughs) fast. They do not go uphill uphill. fast. And they are pretty slow on the flat stuff too. And they're maybe like, oh darn, maybe I bought the wrong bike and I maybe needed something that was more like an all mountain bike or maybe a cross country bike. So, um, that that's kind of one of those things that I see pretty often people talk to me about, Hey, I just got into this mountain biking thing and I need you to tune up my bike and they roll in and like after talking to them and what kind of riding they're doing. And then I see the bike that they're rolling. I'm like, "Mm, that's kind of a mismatch there, but maybe we can help some folks make a better decision. So what are the different types of mountain bikes that people would be looking at? You've got your full on downhill and full downhill suspension, which are heavier bikes with more 
travel in them, right. which means deeper suspension. Yeah, it almost looks like a motorcycle without the motor. Yeah. So you've got that. You've got an enduro bike, which is going to kind of be in that same vein, but maybe a little bit more lightweight because a little bit lighter, a little bit less travel. Correct. You're going to have a cross country bike, which is way lighter, uh-huh. less travel. Uh huh. And by travel, we mean how 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 much the the suspension. Uh, the suspension compresses compresses thank you gotcha and then we've got um god there's even in the the cross-country realm there's starting to become more options there you're going to see anything from like 90 millimeters of suspension up to like 130 yeah that's about right picking out the right one there is going to be a little bit of a challenge and in the cross-country vein you've also got hardtails hardtails means front suspension fork correct and then rigid frame in the rear, no rear suspension. Correct. And then there's even kind of a hybrid bike like the old uh, BMC Team Elite that had that elastomer, which gives you a little bit of cushion yeah. back there, but it's not true suspension, but it's kind of like a like a tweener kind of thing. Um, you've got full rigid mountain bikes. No suspension at all, all, but yeah. big tires. Yep. And then what, what am I missing? That's about it. Well, you've got your all mountain bike. Yeah, there's like all trail bikes, which is like a combination. Between, oh my gosh, there's so many mountain bikes. Now you wonder why people are always coming in. Like, I'm not sure which kind to get. And so it really kind of boils down to what kind of riding are you going to do and what's going to be the, the prevailing favorite. Like, you know, what are you going to do the most of? Are you going to want to race? Are you going to want to do longer-ish kind of rides? Are you going to want to go out and maybe do shorter rides and be able to attack some more technical stuff a little bit more aggressively? Paige, what do you ride? Um, I have a S Works Epic. Okay. Yeah. Which is a cross country style mountain bike, right? Full suspension. Yeah, right? it's a full suspension cross country mountain bike. Sure. And um, do you know how much travel it has? <laughs> I, I shouldn't ask you that. that. Yeah, I, it's it's like uh, the same fork as that one right there. And I just can't remember. I'm running on like zero sleep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're pumping her full of caffeine to keep her yeah. alive and upright at the table today. Sorry about um, that. I think it's a uh, hundred. Front and rear, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. I think, no, it is. It is. 100 mils? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. So what is it that drew you to that bike in terms of, you know, what you were looking for for your racing needs? So basically, um, once you are skilled enough on a bike um, that you can take that on nearly anything besides like huge downhill stuff um, and it'll it'll be fine. It's kind of like all around capable Mm -hmm. and it. Um, fully locks out, which means the suspension stops working when you um, are you, on you, flats or on roads. You can basically. push a lever and, or, or yours has the brain in it. Yeah, mine oh, has a brain, so geez. it senses the ground and responds to what you're hitting. Mm-hmm. So the suspension opens up when you hit something that requires suspension. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's great for racing because um, it adapts and it's basically capable of everything on a cross-country course and then much more once you know how to ride are you running a dropper post on that bike yes and i think that um basically everybody and like an xeo race or a pro xct has a dropper at this point except if you're like on a different course where a lot of people run hardtails Mm -hmm. people will switch out bikes based on the course um hardtails with no dropper are often a great option if you feel that there's no need because you know the lighter the better Right. Gotcha. um, Now, didn't you come up on a hardtail or did you always ride a full suspension? Oh, so I never had a whole full suspension bike until like um, a couple years ago. Gotcha. Because I just rode a hardtail, like a specialized hardtail. Okay. How do you think that that played to how you've developed as a rider? So 
I think that if you grow up on a full suspension, like it just depends on the person, obviously, but it can leave like holes in things where you're not comfortable on a bike with less suspension. Yeah. And um, I think that that really helped me develop into the rider I am because it allowed for like the max output of power um, when racing. Gotcha. Because, um, From my experience too, because I rode and raced on a hardtail for a lot of years. It was probably a good seven or eight, maybe nine years or something like that. All and on a hardtail. All on a hardtail. And I, at the time, that was the, the trend because it was so much lighter for cross-country racing. And the, the type of stuff that we were racing on wasn't super technical, but th there was still a lot of like, all right, you've got to choose the right line because you can't attack certain lines the same way that you can on a full suspension yes. on a hardtail. So it really helped me kind of like visualize and, and optimize how I went about the, the whole racing strategy. And it really, I think, kind of cleaned up and gave me more bike handling skills because it, it enabled me to, to know where to put the bike, what kind of a position I needed to be in and how to get through a, a section as quick as I possibly can. And then fast forward to being on a, a full suspension, like I still know how to do that with the bike. And then I have the the suspension that I can utilize differently in certain situations. So, you know, sometimes it might be taking a clean line is going to be faster. Sometimes just bombing over something and using the suspension is going to be faster. And that's kind of up to you in the moment. But having both of those in your back pocket, I think, is a, a good place to be as opposed to just coming up on a full suspension and you just you just bomb everything. Just bomb everything. That's not, yeah. also, not necessarily always the fastest way to go through something. I could be wrong, but at least that's for me. I, I actually did the same thing. That's kind of funny. All three of us uh, started on a hardtail. And yeah. I, I rode a hardtail for five or six years before I actually went to a full suspension bike yeah. yeah i mean if a person is interested in racing cross country then a cross country bike is obviously the best option but you know if you're looking to race cross it's good to be really comfortable on a rigid bike yes yep. for sure on on trails so yeah yeah for sure i um i think chris surratt um at uh, mudslinger he raced on his um, hardtail. Oh, he did. He did. Um, there was so much climbing that he just felt like it would be an advantage. Yeah. And so he he actually has a dropper post on his hardtail, mm -hmm. and uh, he he did that and actually did really quite well on it. So good on him. Yeah. That's uh that's a good thing, but um there is a downside to being not on a hardtail and being on a full squish. The biggest thing is probably the price difference between these bikes. Yes. They're going to be quite a bit more expensive to go the, the full suspension. Like if you're looking at like a, a top shelf, um, you know, hardtail mountain bike, you're probably going to be in the ballpark of like not top shelf, we'll say really nice. Yeah. You're going to be in that four to $5,000 range, which is a ton of money to begin with. And you don't have to spend that much money, but um, we're just using it for sake of an example here. But if you're going to go, apples to apples in terms of like you know wheels and componentry and all that other stuff but then you're factoring in a different frame with more suspension you're going to be spending eight nine thousand dollars yep. maybe ten i mean Paige, i hate to even ask how much your bike costs because i know that they don't give specialized bikes away for free but your, your bike's got to be somewhere in the ballpark of that nine to ten thousand dollar range it was like um 11 ish 12 but you know like <laughs> that's the I, msrp i, I no. would never be able to afford that yeah, without thankfully you have an support ambassador. <laughs> So, uh, so it's just one of those things where these things start to get super expensive. And then that begs the question of like, all right, is having a bike that's nearly double going to be it. worth it? Is it going to be getting well, you that much more in terms of, uh, you know, performance on, on in a race? Or if you're not racing, is it worth it to have 
that much more of an expensive bike than just a, a hardtail that you can go out and zip around and still have a lot of right. fun on. You do not need a $12,000 S-Works. No, you don't. At all. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's the, just like what you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can get a bike that's going to be less a brain. It's going to maybe yeah. get something with some uh, alloy wheels as opposed to carbon wheels. Get something that's going to have a couple tiers down on the group set. It's going to function just the same. It's just going to weigh more. So at the end of the day, you're really paying for weight, and yeah, you're paying exactly. for some small technologies like a brain that's mm-hmm. going to help you, um, you know, better manage your race, or just have to think about one less thing. It's just going to do it for you. Yeah, I mean, and specialized. Um, like, you know, when they say more kids on bikes, they aren't saying more kids on a $12,000 bike. They're saying more kids on this bike because like any bike is going to get you, you know, in like spark a love for cycling. Sure. You know, it's just not like, you know, reasonable. (laughs) Did you just say sparkle love? No, like spark a love for cycling. Oh, spark a love. (laughs) Sorry about that. I thought, what's sparkle love? (laughs) (laughs) That's a new word I I made up. I love sparkles. Own it. Own it. Yes. (laughs) Um, so there's so many different factors. I mean, all of us sitting here at the table are going to be on a cross country bike because that's what we do. That's what we like. And that's where we feel at home. Do you guys have anything else other than a cross country bike? I I had a hard tail for years. Um, I, I actually, no, I only have a cross country mountain bike. That's all I've got because I want it to be as light as possible so that I can possibly climb with all these skinny guys. And, and and then still have enough suspension to bomb the trail as fast as I can. And generally, cross-country races don't have really technical downhill sections. Yeah, that's well, what I was saying. Yeah. Like, it's what you need. You yeah. Know? UCI has kind of changed a little bit. UCI, though. The Europe races are very technical. It's, and that's yeah. why you see more cross-country people riding full suspension bikes now. That's why they started to go away from the whole hardtail thing. I mean, you can do it, but yeah. like, you're obviously professional if you're doing that on a hardtail. Yeah. <laughs> but even the professionals are going to be faster on the full suspension bike, exactly. and that's why you see that. And that's why there's been a push to go back to the full suspension stuff. So... You know what changed my mind for me um, when I went for the hardtail? And it wasn't just because of racing. And I loved my hardtail. I, I rode it all over the place. I rode this trail, which is one of the more famous, well-known trails in the U.S. called the Whole Enchilada outside of Moab, Utah. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. It's called the Whole Enchilada. It is a 30-mile roughly downhill trail 30 miles of downhill 30 miles of downhill that's crazy so you have to get a is it downhill like downhill racing or like descending it's descending okay yeah it's not like you know super there's a couple of technical sections but you have to get you have to get a ride up to the top you start in moab you jump in some guy's van actually kyle mears also known (laughs) as mears of moab he started a shuttle service solely for the whole enchilada and they drive you an hour and a half or two hours up to the top of the LaSalle Mountains, which is just outside of Moab. You hop out, and there is a whole trail that takes you all the way back to Moab, 30 miles downhill. Good Lord. Yeah. It's cool. It's gorgeous. I wouldn't be able to walk, though. <laughs> so, well, that was the thing. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I, I This was a couple, three or four years ago. I was in Moab. I had the day where I could do it. I did it on my, and I did it on my hardtail. Mm-hmm. I got done. I felt like I had been beaten up, <laughs> like I had run a marathon because I did the whole stinking thing on the hardtail. Mm-hmm. Now, and that kind of prompted me, okay, maybe I need more of a downhill bike or more full suspension. And man, when I shifted to a cross-country style bike, it just like opened my world. 
It gets really fun. Yes. It yeah. got, it just, it made it way smoother, way funner. Um, the bike wasn't, isn't lighter. And then the next thing that opened up my world was a dropper post. I, yeah. I, I'd never, I didn't do that whole downhill trail with a dropper post. And the dropper post, when you learn how to use it properly, oh my gosh, you can descend and corner faster. Okay, so let, let's talk about that because that's probably something that people are hearing dropper posts. And some people might be listening to this and have heard it but have no idea how you use it. When do you guys engage a dropper post and how do you use it to your advantage? Okay. Um, <laughs> so what a dropper post is, uh-huh. you push a lever and your seat drops like... You know, most of them are like 100 millimeters. I think mine's like 80 millimeters or something like that. But it drops enough so that you can can get further, you can get your weight back further on the bike so that you can go faster down downhill things. And it also helps with cornering. So... So anytime I come to an obstacle that is like a drop off or a big rock or something like that, I drop that post so that I can get my weight back and flow over it faster. Exactly. It's like wherever you feel like the seat was in your way before. Yep. And I never realized that because I always rode with the rigid, you know, seat post and yep. didn't realize, oh my gosh, how much faster and how much more comfortable it is to go over stuff with your seat out of the way. Yeah. It's kind of nice to get that that weight down and back because the last thing you want to be doing in that kind of a situation is being thrown over the bars. Yes. And and you'll stick a front wheel and go flying over the bars if you're up too high, and that will definitely uh, not feel good. I used to go over the bars, uh, you know, four, five, six times a year. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I've gone over my bars since I've had a dropper post. Yeah. I'm still going to stand by this, too. It's just a matter of time before we start seeing these on road bikes as well. Probably mm-hmm. if, get, if you, get them light enough. Get them light enough, and, and well, if we've, there's a bike sitting right behind you that weighs 11 pounds, so that's not even UCI legal. So to add a dropper post to that it, it, to get right up to the UCI weight, <laughs> I don't think that that's going to be a problem. But uh, I, I really think that that's going to be the wave of the future with the whole top tube, yeah, super tuck thing going away. The other thing that a dropper post does is. Um, when when you're in tight corners, uh-huh. like um, lots of tight little shifting corners going around trees, if your weight is back and you are down further, you can rail those corners much faster uh-huh. than if you're sitting up higher. You you'll 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 high side is what you call if you're sitting up on your seat on corners like that where you like you wash out and go over the high side. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. The other thing that one of the nice things to pair with a dropper post would be having the right tube tire and wheel setup. Yes. Now, you probably shouldn't have tubes in your tires anymore. That's the first thing. So be mindful of making sure that you're you're getting a bike that's going to be tubeless compatible. The wheels, that is. Yeah. And then even going with uh, tire inserts like Cush Core. Yeah. That's going to make a huge difference in terms of how you can really rail that corner because you've got a much lower tire pressure. Yes. The the tire is going to bite way more efficiently, and you're just going to get around that corner even faster with more confidence. Yeah. So. So in a race situation or in a riding situation, anytime I come to any kind of drop off or something that looks more technical, I drop my dropper post. If I see a section of trail that has a bunch of tight little turns, I drop my dropper post so that I I can rail those corners faster. How many times this past weekend at Mudslinger did you use your dropper post page? Oh my God, it's like 
automatic at this point like, like you shifting. don't even think about it, it just happens right yeah and at first i wasn't you know that great at it like you know i would do it at the wrong times and just wasn't used to it uh-huh. but then um you know it just becomes something that's very natural and you just you know when you'll be most most comfortable dropping it and keeping it up even if you can't explain it in words like you know you, you feel the most balanced a certain way mm-hmm. when you know when to drop it so yeah like all the time this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it, we, it, this was an hour-long race we did this weekend. I probably used my dropper post 50 times. It Me probably, too. It probably went down and up at least 50 times. Yeah, it was very up and down. There was some weird sections. And yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, with your dropper post, will it allow you to have more than two positions being more than just the all the way up and all the way down? Mm-hmm. So you can ratchet up and down? Yeah. You like you press the button and then you have to sit on it to like push it down. And it then wherever you down. stop and let go of the lever, that's where it's going to stay? Yes. I like that setup. That's the one knock that I have on the BMC. BMC's dropper post right now pretty much is all the way up. Or all the way down, correct. correct? They call it their race dropper post or something like that. Yeah. And and it is. It's either all down or all up. Yeah. Huh. You know, yeah. there are certain Which isn't situations. as good as being able to feather it a little mm. bit sometimes. But it's still better than nothing. And it's yes. still like, if you're going to use it, you might as well just have it either all the way up or all the way down anyway. I yep. mean, there's, I guess there are a few times when, or there are a few times when you would want to have it in different positions based on what you've got going on. Yeah, I had a bike that it could feather it, and I found that I would feather it yeah. quite often, but... Yeah, it is what it, it is. It is what it is. I mean, in race mode, I'm still just... It's either all the way down or all the way up. Gotcha. Um, yeah, for the bikes, though, um, let's get into, like, really kind of helping people choose. I mean, we've we just talked a ton about the cross-country scene. We've talked a little bit about the downhill scene, but let's just help them kind of maybe poke their heads into the different options and run through these eight things that Lance has up here. Um, what do you got? What's the first one? Okay. Um, knowing what wheel size to get, cause yep. there's diff there's different options for wheel sizes. Mm-hmm. 26, which is a, a thing of the past. Traditional. That's old school. Yep. I don't think they even make a 26 yeah. bike anymore. 26. So this is the wheels are 26 inches in diameter. Correct. I mean, yep. you'll still see them on some lower level entry level bikes that are kind of like the hybrid ish or the, I don't know. You just don't see them very yep. much, but they're still out there. They're still in the market. You can find them on the secondary market. So just know what you're looking for. And just know that if you are looking for a 26 inch bike, you're probably going to get a screaming deal on it just because it's kind of, uh, you can't you know, find them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like buying a tape in uh, the era of MP3s. So it's just one of those things. And then uh, eight or nine years ago, um, they went to 29 inch wheels, uh-huh. which is 29 inch in, uh, diameter. It, it's actually, that's the same size as your regular road bike tire, 700 cc yeah. or whatever they call. C, yep. Yeah, thank you, centimeters. <laughs> um, and the, so, the the beauty of bigger wheels is they they roll over stuff easier. Yeah, the way that I've always equated this to people, especially those who've had kids, is when you push a stroller around, the strollers with the little wheels, they always get caught up on everything. Little rocks, yeah. ruts, <laughs> a- yeah. anything like any cracks, and sometimes they'll get caught up. And then all of a sudden, um, I don't know why I'm talking about stro- strollers on a cycling podcast. <laughs> they came up with like these jogger strollers, and, and I remember with getting one, wheels. and it was a, a much, much bigger wheel. And the thing would just motor over everything. When I had my kids, when they were in a stroller, that's what we used, and the thing was awesome. It just it really tackled everything. You know, and if you apply that same thought to a mountain bike, when you're out there and you've got a smaller wheel, like a 29 inch, or I'm sorry, a 26 inch wheel, it's not going to go over rocks the same it's not going to go no. over roots the same because it will get stuck because the angle of attack and, and where that hits it in terms of like the 
the the balancing point it will stick whereas the 29 will hit it and it's just like it's just a bump to it it's just it just keeps going okay so then a few years ago they there were there was a whole group of people that said the 29 is too big we need to have a happy medium and they came out with 27.5 yeah. inch wheels like bruni he puts 27.5 on the front and 29 on the back of his downhill bike really, really? yeah Wow, he always does that, and he huh. like wins. So he's well, there's something. But there. <laughs> he races downhill. Yeah, he's yeah. the world champion. World champion. Yeah, it just it's a little bit more nimble. I mean, it's easier to turn that tire. It's going to get around corners a little bit faster, but you're losing some of that angle of attack. And I think that um, people that are racing cross country, I think that there's something to be lost there um, if you're going to be rolling on a 27. Yeah, 29 is the most beneficial for cross country. Yeah, for sure. That's pretty cool. Um, what's next on there? Uh, choosing the right size bike okay. for you is also an important thing. And uh, that that's tricky because every, every bike manufacturer has their own um, it, it, geometry is hard. to. You kind of need to throw your leg over the bike and ride around to see if it's actually going to yeah. fit right. If and, you were, were to go out and take five different manufacturers and bring in a medium from all five different manufacturers, the geometry on every single one of those bikes is going to be different. The top tube length, the, the stack height, the 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 rake on it there there's so many different things like when you start to add it up and look at it it's going to be it's going to be different from from bike to bike so you have to know your manufacturer you have to know your geometry and how that meshes up with you so that you can get the right size um quick question on that though if you were to err on the side maybe you're on the bubble and let's say you can go with a large or a medium what size are you guys going to err on are you going to go a size up a little bit bigger or are you going to go size down and and ride something that might be a touch too small i think because i'm like between small and medium uh -huh. i go with the small for my cross-country bike and why did you choose that well it has to do with like the length of my legs like my friend who's the exact same height as me and we have the same bike yep. she has a medium but her legs are much longer so, so your inseam really was what dictated that yes for sure so it's just small things like that really add up gotcha so, mm -hmm. yeah i've got um longer legs and and i think for me that having the, the little bit bigger bike plays in my favor i mean yeah. i could probably maybe get on a medium at six foot tall but i've got long legs and long arms i i just feel more at home on a bike that's a little bit bigger but that's just me lance you're kind of in the same boat though i'm i'm kind of in between sizes yeah. too and i pick the smaller one like i'm between medium and large and i would race on a medium but that hasn't always been the case. But you were on a large. I was. You still are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that only works if you have the right <laughs> dropper post on it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the bike I had two years ago that was a large, it was a, a tad too big for me. Uh-huh. But this last one, they changed their geometry just a little bit, and the large just works for me. Is it because it's a little bit more of a slack head tube? It's probably got to be it. Something yeah. like that? Yeah. But, so, you know, you think about it. If it, A smaller bike is going to be easier to handle, but you got to find that happy spot. If I was going to order this bike without seeing it, I would have gone with the smaller one, and it probably, whereas the large that I'm racing on now just... It, it works. Okay. So when we're talking about like an all mountain bike, because that's probably where like the vast majority of people yeah. probably should probably. be on or possibly yeah. a, a cross country would be a close second to that. There's going to be a difference in the geometry there in terms of like how the cockpit is set up. And that would be pretty much the, the length from like your saddle to your bars. Yeah. The all mountain bike is going to be a little bit more upright. It's going to be a little bit shorter. So sizing wise, what, what are you thinking there? 
Yeah, it would go a little smaller too. And and that's another question that you have to ask yourself when you're thinking about getting a bike is what kind of a position do you want to be in? Because the cross country mountain bike is going to put you in a little bit more of an aggressive race position. Yeah. So it would be kind of like the the difference between an endurance road bike and a race bike. Um, you're going to be in a much more down position, a little bit more aerodynamic and aggressive of position, and that's going to be kind of the same thing between a trail bike and or trail slash all mountain bike and a cross country bike. The cross country yeah. is going to put you in a more of an aggressive position. Mm-hmm. And um, I even got a longer stem on my cross country bike when I got it fitted. Yeah, because I like being more forward. So you could be even yeah. lower. Yeah, lower. Yeah, because yeah, because downhill bikes tend to have like upswept bars even a little bit, higher bars and shorter stems mm-hmm. for more downhill control. But that's that doesn't translate to climbing. So yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's no. it's different. Whole different can of worms yeah. there. When <laughs> I had my I had a, a Santa Cruz Bronson like a couple years ago, uh-huh. and I it was upright. And, you know, just because of how I was used to my hardtail and stuff like that, it was just super weird to be, like, up. <laughs> I don't know. It was it was weird feeling. Awesome. <laughs> All right, what's next, Lance? What's the next one on there? Um, if you're not racing, don't stress about weight too much. Mountain bikes are heavier. Yep. And if, if you're not going to be racing this bike, you shouldn't stress too much about how much the bike weighs. That's Well, it depends on what you're – if you want to go, you know, ride – something that's like a cross-country trail and it's like a lot of climbing you might want to worry about weight definitely. yeah or yeah as soon as you start depends. To, as soon as you start to stress about performance or weight the cost is going to go up so if yeah you, if you want to if you want to save yourself a buck or not spend a, a terrible ton of money you're going to have to be comfortable giving up one thing and i would probably give up a little bit of weight before I would give up cost because it's pretty easy over the course of time if you want to um, go back and start to replace certain things that would weigh less that are going to cost a little bit more so that at least you can get into the game. Um, I would probably tell people like, hey, get that bike that weighs like two or three more pounds. That's going to save you a couple thousand dollars because no joke, like we've always said, it it can almost cost a thousand dollars per pound when you want to start getting lighter. And, you know, if over the course of time you really fall in love with the sport or you really want to get more competitive or really is, it's a big, big deal for you. And maybe you you lose a bunch of weight because you got on a bike and you're happy and you're fast and you want to get it even lighter, then go buy yourself a nice set of carbon hoops or, you know, upgrade your drivetrain or get a different crank set that's going to be, you know, less weight or change out your bars from alloy to carbon. I mean, all of those little things over the course of time can be done in small chunks and save you some weight. And then you can just, you know, make your bike a little bit nicer. And it's going to keep you stoked to go out there and ride your bike more too. Cause when you get new stuff for it, it always makes you like, I'm going to go ride my bike. Cause I'm all stoked on fill in the blank bike part. That's right. all there now. So that's just a thought on that. All right. What else? Uh, just a couple more things. Go for um, it. Uh, one, be careful buying a bike that has that is like future proof a little bit if i could explain <laughs> that explain <Lance>. um, <laughs> you want one with like a more popular seat post size or 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 a bottom bracket size or or through axle size not with yeah. odd <laughs> sizing on those things because if you go to upgrade your bike you might find it really difficult to find parts that are in odd sizes yeah that's uh that's well put because there are a lot of bike manufacturers out there that will come out with something that they're claiming to be the next latest and greatest, but it's gonna be proprietary to them and it might only be around for a year or yeah. two and the next thing you know you're stuck with something that you can't upgrade and probably is not super desirable to the vast majority of people out there looking for a bike. You guys ever dealt with that before? Not personally. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But you? Um, no, but I've had plenty of people gripe and complain to me. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> about Gosh, stuff. Dang it. Yeah, it is what it is. But that's a that's a very good point. So, uh, one last thing: um, when you're looking at suspension, go for quality suspension, not necessarily uh, a bigger suspension number. Like for us, what we're doing, you know, 100 millimeters of travel is pretty decent, but you yeah. can get a cross-country bike that has 140 millimeters of travel or 130. And sometimes if it's not a good quality piece of suspension, that might not be more beneficial to you. So yeah, less, less maintenance. Exactly. Um, what kind of suspension is on your bike right now, Paige? Um, it's just, you know, the RockShox um, brain fork with specialized and gotcha. 100 millimeter. Brain fork. I'm so jealous of the brain, man. I Really? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, that it just automatically, like, adjusts on the fly? That's fantastic. Do you find that that's super predictable? Or do you find that there's some holes in that where it doesn't work always the way that you want it to? So it always works the way that I want it to. There's a lever on the back in like, you know, um, near the drivetrain where it's like there's a control switch and um, you can go soft or harder, but it basically doesn't fully lock out 100%. Okay. Um, I love it personally, but when I first got it, it was a big difference from the Fox 34 that I had the year previously Uh because it had just like a lever on the top where you could switch it manually um the ctd climb trail descend yeah that little lever on there yeah yeah so it was just um it was different at first and then i really got to really like it better it was just i don't know it was good here's what happens to me this is Mm. why i'm jealous Mm. because uh like in this race this last weekend it started out with a two mile climb Uh right two mile on a gravel road climb so i locked my suspension out Right, mm-hmm. because I'm going to climb faster with it locked out. Sure, and then you get into this hypoxia, oxygen deprived state where I'm, <laughs> and, and I forget to turn the suspension back on when I hit the trail. Oh, I used to always do that, yes. and it's just a big annoyance, honestly. But the thing with the brain is, even if you set it, you can you can you can change the rebound settings too to be faster or slower uh-huh. manually at the top, and there is a lever on the front fork where you can determine like the the sensitivity of the brain, uh-huh. but you can't really, like if the brain senses that you're going to hit something, like that you're hitting something, it opens up regardless. So if I have it um, like locked yeah. out all the way and I hit like a giant thing, it's still going to open up and, you know, not be in yeah. that situation. I don't remember until I'm going over some stump and I'm yeah, like bouncing cool. all over the place. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Why am I riding so bad? Oh. I forgot. <laughs> I've got my suspension locked out. I used to do that so much, and then I'd just like go through like an entire race and be like, "Wait, I forgot to open this my suspension." Might have helped me. <laughs> Maybe. Here's another question for you. We didn't really touch on this one. Do you guys have electronic shifting on your bikes? Yes. Okay, Lance. No. No. Can you guys make a case for or against being electronic with your shifting? Um, I. The electronic shifting is way smoother. Uh-huh. Yeah, that I find um, the the only drawback is your battery can die. That's it. That's 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 the only drawback I can find with having electronic shifting is if you don't charge your battery. So like I would ride my ax like my bike with my access system like ten to fifteen hours a week, and I would literally need to charge my access batteries like once a month if max. That, yeah, I think it it, do, it lasts a really long time, and they take forty five minutes to fully charge. Correct. And the thing is, is it's like an app on your phone, and 
if you like bump your derailleur, you can literally just adjust it manually. Yep. Yeah. And just fix it right away. Yep. So it's pretty slick. It and, is. And, I don't know. know how you could say against. It's expensive. How often yeah. do you hear about people <laughs> how often do you hear about people who have a dead battery on a mountain bike versus how many people who snap a derailleur cable? Oh, you snap cables way more often. Way than more often. <laughs> so, I mean, I think... Plus, that you got no cables all over your bike. It is clean. It is smooth. And yeah. it's easy to dial in. And it's pretty easy to manage where your um, your battery levels are at, too, by looking at that app. All you have to see is, like, all right, how much percentage do I have yeah. left? And even the, the, the SRAM stuff, their little batteries, they're small. Mm-hmm. It's easy to throw one of those in your jersey pocket yeah. or a saddlebag. So you could always have one with you if you're going to be worried about that. I mean, like, you know, it's if you can keep track of AirPods, then you can keep track of access batteries. <laughs> right. You know, you got it. Lance <laughs> does lose AirPods pretty frequently, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just when I crash, that's all. But I've lost a few, yes. But going back to that, though, that's a, that's a premium. That's a big upcharge if you're going to go that direction. I think that it will almost double the cost of the drivetrain if yeah. you switch over to being electronic if i'm not mistaken I, so i tell you though i it's worth it i don't have it on my mountain bike but it's on my road bike my gravel bike my cyclocross bike <laughs> <laughs> i have it i have wireless on all of those but not my mountain bike okay so yeah. there's a lot of people out there right now who are going to be looking for a bike potentially there we're coming up to some beautiful summer months here in the pacific northwest and even across the country you've got a lot of people that are wanting to go out and ride bikes bike manufacturers don't have a lot of bikes to spare. <laughs> Literally. Bikes. They're sold out. Specialized isn't going to have bikes until 2022. Uh, Cannondale's kind of the same boat. BMC, we will probably see some bikes. I put in a big order for the lab and for some teammates. And I'm being told that um, we'll be lucky if we get about 40% of what we ordered. Wow. It's <laughs> rough. But, uh. but the good side about it is that there are bikes coming. They will be here as soon as later this month, which could be great if we actually get some. But at least it's something's better than nothing. But anyway, I, I'm sensing that that's a common theme. I've heard about Santa Cruz and we said Cannondale and, and other bike manufacturers. So let's say you want to get into this whole bike thing. The shop doesn't have what you're looking for. Maybe it's a $10,000 bike that they have sitting on your shelf and that's way out of your price point. Where are you guys going to go look for a used bike? If you're going to go into that market, if, if that's well, where, if that's your only option, just as a stopgap between when, when bikes come back to the market. Pink Bike is a very popular site for uh-huh. used bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Craigslist. There's Facebook <laughs> Marketplace. Uh, those can be a little more tricky. Um, but yeah. uh, I would say Pink Bike would be one of the spots. Good place to look. Are you yeah. guys ever going to buy something on eBay? Yeah, I would do that too, potentially. There's just the, the eBay tax on there. Yep. I mean, you're going to be paying more because there's a lot more fees associated. So bikes tend to be marked up a little bit more. I'm trying to pull this up here real quick because I want to give a, another shout out to this uh, Facebook group that I think is really good. The one that I know of off the top of my head that's pretty popular in the Pacific Northwest, but it seems like there's people from all over the country that are using it, would be the Pacific Northwest Bicycle Classifieds, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Um, let me continue pulling this up here real quick. So... Yeah, we've got the... It's it's a huge group, actually, that Pacific Northwest. Yeah, PNW Bicycle Classifieds. Yeah. The other one that is a monster as well would be the Cycle Classifieds in Discussion. They're both closed groups. You have to request to join, but it seems like they let everybody in there. Yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of people selling bikes on both of those platforms and having pretty good luck both buying and selling. I've t- talked to people recently on both sides of the coin, and, and for all intents and purposes, it seems like it's been a pretty good uh, thing for folks. Um, just 
be sure that you're um, maybe conducting business with people that are on the up and up. Yep. It's <laughs> maybe always a little spooky. Try and get your hands on a serial number so you can put it <laughs> through uh, the old serial number search engine to make sure it's not a stolen bike. And then you might want to use some sort of a uh, payment platform that will give you a little bit of reassurance that you're going to um, actually get what you're paying for. So that might be something for you to consider as well. But when you're out there looking for an actual used bike, um, we talked about a bunch of stuff. What are you guys going to buy if you're going to go in the secondary market? Obviously, probably cross country. Well, yeah, I I mean, you know, people sell race bikes every year because, yeah. you know, it's it's less expensive for racers to sell them and then buy a new one with that money yeah. one year after. So the value is still fairly good, you yeah. know. So that's what if I needed, that would be something I'd go for for good. sure. How about you, Lance? I got to say, um, I I wouldn't buy a downhill bike. Um, I would rent one. <laughs> If I go to a place like Whistler or Moab where I'm going to do some big monster downhill, I'd rent one for the day. How many times do you think those bikes get crashed? Um, every time they go out. <laughs> <laughs> every single time. Yeah. But you know, yeah, that's why. I mean, I, I can do a lot with my with my cross-country bike. And I'm, I'm an old man, so I don't need to be bombing down, <laughs> you know, crazy downhill stuff. I just don't, yeah. I don't ride like that anymore. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, usually finding a bike that's going to be in pretty good shape is good but how how do some people know whether the bike's in good shape or not so what would you suggest to people there if you're going to buy something on the secondary market knowing that you're not buying somebody else's problem i think that you know buying a frame is great and then if you can new parts is always ideal that's good and yeah if you can get them if you can <laughs> i mean if you can't you know just like i don't know and asking as many questions as possible obviously yeah. but usually there are a lot of good bike shops out there that will do bike inspections for you too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It might cost you a few bucks, but I mean, when you're talking about spending like even just as much as a thousand bucks, you know, just to pay a shop, like a fee of like 30 or 40 bucks to do a bike inspection, that might be something where you miss it, but they're going to catch it and that'll save you a whole heck of a lot of heartache. Yeah. So, you know, you want to look for frame cracks. You want to look for, you know, damage to wheels. You want to look for, you know, drivetrains that might be worn out just excessive wear on certain things. I mean, Stretched you, out chain. Yeah. And yeah. you can play that to your, your benefit if you have a stretched out chain. But if the train chain super stretched out and they've been riding a long time, then you, know, you might be talking about need a new cassette or needing yeah, some new chain sure. rings. Yeah. But a chain itself, I mean, that's pretty inexpensive to, to fix that. But um, it's knowing that if the chain is stretched to look for those other little things. So a shop's going to help you out with that a lot. So I think that there's going to be a crazy secondary market over the next you know, eight to 10 months. Probably. So um, if you're looking in that direction, then be careful. So anything else that we need to touch on with this, uh, this topic, picking out a mountain bike? I think we're pretty centric on the, the cross country scene, but I still think that that's a, the best all around bike in my personal opinion. Uh, let me just say, and people ask me, you know, what's my favorite bike to ride? And if I'm, if I'm training, I want to do that on my, you know, road bike for like smoothness and speed. If I want to just go really have fun, I'll pick my mountain bike. Really? If I'm just going to ride for fun, I'll pick my mountain bike. It makes me... I love my gravel bike. I love gravel riding. I love road biking. I, Of course, I like all this stuff. But for pure smiles, it's the mountain bike <laughs> for me. If you were to have just one bike, and let's say it was a mountain bike, what kind of mountain bike would you go to if you weren't racing? Would you stick with a cross country, or would you think about doing something a little bit more all mountain esque? I'm not. I'm not going to do some big monster stuff I anymore. I wouldn't like that either. I'm not going to the jump track. 
I'm not doing the jump line. I would get like a cross country ish bike, you know, like a, a lesser model so it's less expensive uh, and have just like a bigger fork. Like a more long travel bike. Yeah. On, like on cross country. Like the BMC four stroke, they make the new four stroke long, cha- uh, long mm-hmm. travel, which is a fantastic bike. It gives yeah. you an extra 20 mils um, of squish. You, yeah. can, you can just put a different fork on it. Yeah. Like if you want. Yep. So that's what I would do, you know, just to like have a little bit more fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like Lance. I don't necessarily want all that extra suspension, and I, I for sure don't want the heavier bike because I like to go fast. But the extra suspension is going to give me too much confidence, which is going to put me in a sticky situation. Of yep. Not if, but when I'm going to go over yep. the bars again and hurt self. So um, more more times than not, though, people just want to be out in nature. They want to be out riding the trails. They want to go out and just have fun on some flowy single track and maybe hit some obstacles. And I think the cross country bike checks all those boxes, and even a cross country hardtail still checks all it those does. boxes and it teaches you to ride the bike a little bit more efficiently. Yep. So if I'm going to put my money on something for recommending to people, I'm going to tell them if, uh, if price is a, a sticking point for you, stick with the hardtail, hardtail cross country mountain bike. If you've got a few more bucks to spend and maybe you've got maybe some aging body parts that you want to protect with a little bit more squish, uh, see if you can find your way onto a full suspension cross country bike. And I think that you're going to be super happy, especially with the dropper post on there. Yep. I agree. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Consensus heard. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into one last thing. Paige, I'm going to start with you. What's one last thing going on with you that you want to toss out there for the worlds? One last. Um, well, I kind of discussed the future in the back pedal. Uh-huh. But I am really excited to stay in Arkansas for 10 days. Because it's back to... <laughs> what? Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> Wait. So the race is in Fayetteville? Yeah. Is that right? And it's two. It's back-to-back weekends. Oh, so nice. So that's why I'm staying for so long. And Wow. Yeah, it's a big trip. Being so in school. There's like world-class mountain biking in Bentonville, which is not too far away. F- do, you, do you know any of this? No. Huh. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Say it again. Bentonville, Bentonville, where? Arkansas. Yeah, I know about that. Yeah. yeah. There's world-class mountain biking there, but these races are at Fayetteville, and I think the reason they're doing these UCI races at Fayetteville is because... The cyclocross world championships are being held there in February or, mm. or January. Not world championships, not the national championships. World championships. World oh. championships. World so championships. Cyclocross like world championships. Whoop, yeah. uh, Walt Van Art. You'll see Matthew Vanderpool yep. there. You'll see Pincock. You'll yep. see like the uh, Claire Hansinger and, yep. and all of those lovely women out there killing it. <laughs> Actually, we already have a teammate who has a home reserved for the weekend there. Seriously? Yeah. Surratt? Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> That's I rad. might be bumming in on that place with him. So, <laughs> so um, what are you going to do out there between the races? Well, I mean, it's a pretty light training week, obviously, because, you know, just recovering. Yeah. Um, but probably explore and pre-ride the track more. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. How far from uh, there is uh, BB Infinite's headquarters? They're in... Bent- they're in... They're not too far from there, right? They're not too far from there. Yeah. I, I want to say it's like... Three hours? Where is it? I think ben- I think Bentonville was three hours away from BB Infinite. Okay, something like that. Yeah, but I don't know where Fayetteville. weren't they in? To hit up Gary and find out if they're going to be. I can't remember. We can't remember in it. and around there. It was the name of the town that it was in. Anyway, cool. Anything else, Paige? Mm, after that, I'm going to Soldier Hollow in Utah. Sweet. So that's sick. I did a race there in uh, November. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been there before. It's cool. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. Excited. Mr. Lance Hepler, one last thing. 
Uh, one last thing. I'm going to race my gravel bike this weekend. No mountain bike racing this weekend. Going to race gravel. Gorge gravel grinder. Gorge right? gravel grinder. we got a lot of teammates going out to that too, we yeah? We have a lot and You're going to do the medium distance? I'm doing the medium. I'm not doing the long one. What's the distance on that again? 65 miles, gotcha. something like that. Okay. Still like 5,000 feet of climbing. Oh, yeah, today. And it can get pretty windy out there, too, which can be pretty brutal. Yep. But it's supposed to be nice weather here. What's it going to be like out there? It should be better because it's past the Dalles. It's more into the high desert, So, but it could still be windy. Yeah, I was going to say, usually when it's like sunny here and there, it's like windy there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is what it is. But good luck on that, my friend. Thank you. Cool. My one last thing is I wanted to... Um, let everybody know the other local team here that's doing a lot of stuff that um, we're kind of good friends with is uh, the Pacific Office Automation. Yes. They have a lot of those uh, elite one-two guys and uh, some gals. Um, they are doing a little unsanctioned race series. They, they've they been doing the, the Savvy Worlds, which they kind of took over the Savvy Shootout um, out at Savvy Island. But for the month of April, they moved to Hag Lake, and they're doing laps around Hag Lake. It's uh, an 11-mile loop if i'm not mistaken rolling loop not flat like savvy exactly so yep. you've got some rollers in there so the the power people can come out to play and not get tore up by the climbers so it's just but the climbers can still do pretty well out yeah. there as well but they're doing a, a, a four-week series out there unsanctioned and it's going to be a race format uh, for the next three weeks and they are actually putting a prize purse together for the, ah. the winner and it's going to be a points wow. race um that will be, you know, based on like where you come through the finish for the the first two laps, you'll get some sprint points. And I think it's like six, four, and one points or something like that. And then for the finish, I think they'll point out to like tenth place or something along those lines. But whatever the the case point is, whoever finishes with the most points is going to win a hundred bucks. If the word gets out, people are going to show up because oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a road race really on the calendar yet no. in the state of Oregon or nope. around Portland. Yeah. So. so, and that's a beautiful place to ride. It is. It's spectacular. Hag Lake so, is beautiful. If you're interested in that, go check that out. You can go to the uh, Savvy Worlds um, Facebook group and they've got more information posted there. If cool. you've got any questions, feel free to ping us and we will be more than happy to help you. Look at it. It's, uh, it's Evan Price. Evan Price, one last thing. The Evan Price just walked into <laughs> the, the studio. The Evan Price just walked in. <laughs> Come get on this mic and do one last thing, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take any part of Evan Price we this can get. This has to be my worst timing to the podcast. Oh, hold on a second here. <laughs> okay, let's turn that's, on this mic. That's microphone. fantastic timing. Scoot over towards Paige. You can How's it going, Paige? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Long time no see. It's probably been a couple weeks now. Okay. Um, what have you been up to, dude? Swam in a pool in a wetsuit. Um, picked up some coffee today for Cassie, and I'm trying to get the bike ready in the bike box today with you David are, Goodman this evening. You are yeah. going to your race this coming weekend, correct? Yes. Sunday's the race. Leaving Thursday, I'm going to work like a half day, see some patients, then head out right after that. How are so. you feeling? Very good. Race needs to happen, though. There are going to be 62 guys in this field now comparison wow. to last year there were like 24 so it is like three times the size of the field wow big hitters this is what happens when there's no races it's just everybody comes to the few races that you have so any more big hitters that you've seen add to that list since the last time we spoke I yeah know we got like lionel sanders in there yeah sam long will be there okay um matt hansen will be there uh who's the fastest guy runner in triathlon right now and uh, Sam Appleton is is another big big name. Ben Canute uh, and a couple other Olympian like short course guys. So wow. 
Yeah, it'll be fun. Did they all know that Evan Price is going to be there? I don't think so. I think <laughs> I think I think they missed that one. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the dude that may finish 40th is not making their their radar. <laughs> I was joking with Josh this morning that I think we need to have a two speed race. We need to have like 30 guys start who are like, all right, you guys get paid to do this, and then the other 30 guys that are like, all right, the rest of you can start now. <laughs> so. yeah, that's kind of like our. Uh, our week rides, we've got the A and A minus group. That's so exactly like what we need. Pro we need minus. minus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need an A minus start group. <laughs> that's awesome. Where do you think you're going to do the strongest? Uh, the ooh, that, That's a good question. I really, really feel good on the bike and run right now, but my plan is that the run is going to be where I try to get people. So, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to use the bike as a setup, and then I really want to want to run strong. How can we get you faster in the water, dude? Think- you know, I the, the, it's so strange. This year, I'm swimming literally half the volume I swam last year, uh-huh. and my sets are much faster. Really? I, I think I'm so bad at swimming that when I <laughs> swam less, I got better at the sport. Like, I, I, I just did a set that's by far the fastest set I've ever done today. Can we get you, like, some surgical web implants on your something. hands and feet? I don't know. I need. I, I think it just comes down to just brain rewiring. That's something about, like, too many concussions and your feel for the water and just me being bad at swimming from a young age was not a good combination. So. Gotcha. Well, we wish you all the best. On good that. luck, Evan. Good Thank luck. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Is Cassie going out there with you? Yes. Yes, we are We are both vaccinated now and feel confident going out to, to Texas. So we are going together. And thank God, because I would be really in a rough place. by my, I've, I've traveled to races by myself before, and it's it's always a... I can't think of a better person to have with you for support. Oh, she's so I, organized. To God, can't. She is so on top of everything. Like, oh, yeah. The, the details with that girl. For, for, for instance, she, she just caught today that our hotel's front desk closes at 11 p.m. So she pivoted, canceled our first night there, and got a hotel right next to the airport and switched our rental car to the rent, uh, rental car place right next to the airport in like 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> she like saw it and was like, okay, we do like just boom, boom, right away. Yeah, yeah. that's... You and I, if we were in charge of that, oh, we'd be sleeping yeah. in the car <laughs> at nighttime. Yeah. Going, Dang it. <laughs> yeah. Taking an Uber an hour away to get to Galveston and sleep in the rental car when yeah, we got exactly. there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, yep. The, going back to my thing, the Hag Lake, if you want to check that out, go to um, SavvyWorlds.com or shoot us uh, an email or post up on our uh, socials and we'll get you some information on that. Evan, good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. I hope everybody got to see Flanders, too. Do we get to talk about Flanders? We talked about Flanders. A little bit. God, I hope everybody got to see that. A little bit. It was awesome. (laughs) Paige, thanks for coming in to join us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Lance, good luck this weekend. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch everybody on the next one. Thanks for watching. Bye for now.